0: Welcome to Practical Christian Living.
1: That's the question. Why is there evil and suffering? There's evil because God has given man free choice. And evil is created when men who are given free choice do bad things. God is not the creator of evil. God didn't make evil. So why did God make evil? God didn't make evil. God gave angels choice. God gave humans choice. And men decide to do horrible, awful things.
0: It's a question atheists love to ask. If there's a God, why does He allow evil in this world? Well, it's our choice whether or not we love God, whether or not we choose Him. God could have been a dictator demanding that we, His creation, love Him. But that's not who He is. He gives us freedom to make the choice. And like only He can do, Our gracious God brings good out of the darkest times. With more on our study out of Hebrews 2, 10 through 18, and the divine purpose of suffering, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson.
1: If God wants to use my suffering, that someone else would come to Christ. If God wants to use my suffering to bring someone for His glory. If God wants to use my suffering to do something in me that He needs to do. If God wants to use my suffering for someone else then I'm good with that I don't want it and I've had my share of suffering I know what I'm talking about I don't want it but I'm willing to accept it as hard as it is and if God's got a purpose for the suffering then the accusation goes away Epicurus' statement if God is not able and not willing then why do you call him God? because he, he has a reason God's doing something. And we live in this fallen world where God uses those things. I still remember when Greg Laurie lost his son, 32 years old. It was probably, I think, 12 years ago now that he lost him in a car accident. And Greg Laurie saying, I'm going down a road. I would never choose to go down. And I still believe. And when I heard that, is before I lost my first wife. When I heard that, I thought, that is more powerful than any other statement he's ever made. He's a great evangelist. Because he says, even in the midst of losing a child, I think arguably one of the deepest hurts we could go through to say, I still believe. I still trust him. And people see that. And it becomes powerful. And God uses those things in powerful ways. So in the assumption and the accusation it all melts away when god has a purpose for it and we're able to say that now when we think of pain we have to have pain because pain is our interaction with this world if you're getting a blister on your foot if it's not painful you don't think about it next thing you know you got a hole in your foot you know how would say you touch something and it's hot if you didn't feel pain You would injure yourself and this is exactly what happens to lepers because their bodies are numbed by the disease of leprosy it affects their skin their nerves are numbed they injure themselves and they lose fingers and noses and ears and and it becomes vulnerable to the disease there is a disease called cipa in which you do not feel pain the nerve cells don't grow and you don't feel the result of your injury And because of that, these people lose feet and fingers and toes and ears. The same thing that happens to lepers. Because they will injure themselves not knowing that they've injured themselves, there will be infections that will take place. And it is just a, a disease that you might think you want. That I don't feel any pain, no physical pain, but it's a devastating disease that will affect you all the rest of your life because you have to constantly be careful Because you don't have that interaction. I think the same thing is true with the inner man, with the soul. When our soul is hurting, it should tell us something is wrong. It shouldn't just be something that we want to try to mask and get rid of. We should know that we've got whatever's going on with our soul that it hurts. First of all, it's okay to hurt, it's okay to grieve, it's okay to suffer, it's okay to be depressed. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. But in that pain, you evaluate where you are. And is there anything that I need to do? I'm not saying it always is. The mind can break just as like a heart can break. And so sometimes there needs to be care for the mind. I understand that. I'm not one of those pastors that believes that all mental conditions are somehow not to be cared for by doctors. I think that's silly. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that if you're hurting inside then evaluate because just like touching something that's hot gives you feedback when you're hurting inside it gives you feedback maybe that will lead you down the medical road maybe maybe so maybe that feedback will lead you down the medical road but either way you're evaluating you're using pain for what god wanted pain to be used for just a couple examples of this and then we're going to get on with our text joseph in the old testament the last 10 chapters of the book of genesis joseph is the favored son of jacob he plays favorites. And Joseph is not the smartest kid because when he has dreams that he's going to be the leader of the, his, what is it at that point, 11 brothers, he goes and tells them, I had a dream that even mom and dad bowed down to me. You might want to just give it a little shuddy and keep that to yourself, Joseph. <laughs> his brothers became so incredibly jealous that they, they kidnapped him. His dad gave him a coat of many colors, which was the coat that selected that he was the leader of them they were out of working away from home probably wanting just to stay away from the situation and joseph showed up and they kidnapped him they were going to kill him but they saw a group of ishmaelites going by and they said what profit is there if we kill him let's sell him so they sold him into slavery because he was a bright guy i said he was dumb earlier it was a joke he's incredibly bright and blessed by god and he rose to the rank of overseeing the house and the guy he worked for was named potiphar and mrs potiphar saw him thought he was a good looking guy tried to seduce him tried to stay out of the house but one day when he had to be in the house she grabbed a hold of him and she said sleep with me and he wiggled out of his coat he was willing to make a sacrifice to maintain his purity and he wiggled out of his coat and she kept the coat and when Potiphar came home he said you've brought this Hebrew here just means traveler right someone who doesn't live in one place You brought this Hebrew here to mock me he came in to rape me and I screamed and he ran out without his coat And so Potiphar, I don't know that he really believed that, actually, because he doesn't kill him. Somebody tries to rape your wife. You're in Potiphar's position. He's the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And he says, throw him in prison. He threw him in prison. His feet were put into fetters. And there they were crippled. He had an injury that was so bad, it crippled him. He would carry that throughout the rest of his life. Eventually, God would rescue him. Eventually he would be taken out of there and eventually God would lift him up and he would rise all the way up to being second in command over all of, of Egypt. And then when they're united with their father, they begin to live in the land of Goshen, which is the beginning of their sojourn where they become slaves in, in Egypt. And when their father dies in Genesis 50, verse 20, his brothers come to him and say, it's actually 19, I guess, come to him and say, You know they want to talk about being sold into slavery they're like maybe joseph who's this powerful man now second in all of egypt maybe he's going to kill us now so they come to joseph to kind of straighten it out and joseph says i'm going to paraphrase this you meant it for evil but god meant it for good and now we get the reason why there's evil in the world that's not in our text but that's the question why is there evil and suffering There's evil because God has given man free choice. And evil is created when men who are given free choice do bad things. God is not the creator of evil. God didn't make evil. So why did God make evil? God didn't make evil. God gave angels choice. God gave humans choice. And men decide to do horrible, awful things. God chooses to let men be able to do those things and suffer the consequences of it and other people to suffer the consequences of it because God has given us a freedom of choice. And it's probably connected to the whole love issue. God could have made us robots. God could have predetermined us that we would serve him and follow him. But that's not a, what kind of love is it if you, know, if you have to marry him, right? If you don't have any choice, you got to marry him, that's it. But if you choose to love God or you choose not to, then you can do the evil in a fallen world. You equate that with a fallen world. If you didn't have a fallen world, it would hold a whole different issue. But you equate that with a fallen world and there's evil. All right, so um, one more thing, and that is, I don't know that suffering is for this, but suffering of other people allows us to show compassion. God has compassion on people who are suffering, and we are his hands and feet. And so when we see people who are suffering and are able to come alongside of them and help them, we become an extension of the hands of God, which is what God wants from us. And so suffering allows us an opportunity to be able to reach out and help someone who's suffering. And I'm not saying that that's a reason for suffering. I'm simply saying the fact that suffering is there and we are the hands and feet of Jesus, then one of the ways we ought to interact with suffering is look around us. Because Jesus said, when you give a glass of water to one, you won't lose your reward. Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So we are, we are told to help those who are suffering. So when you come across someone who is suffering and you can find a way to, to bring them comfort, then you have an opportunity to do the very things that God said to do. So let's pick up our text and it says some, it goes on to say some other things about suffering here. Uh, verse 10 again, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and he who is being sanctified, such Jesus who sanctifies and us who are being sanctified, we are all one. So there's a oneness, there's there's a unity between us and Jesus, our sanctifier and us who are being sanctified. Jesus prayed that we would be one, It doesn't mean that we have to be one with people that have heretical statements or with cults, right? It means that with genuine believers, there's a oneness and we are one with Christ, which is a pretty powerful statement. If he's talking to people that he's trying to build a case for why they don't go back into Judaism, he says, you're one with Christ. That's the statement he's building. The sanctifier and he who is sanctified is one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus isn't ashamed to call me brethren. The Bible says that we're not supposed to be ashamed of Jesus, that if we're ashamed of him today, he'll be ashamed of us in that day, that day, the return of Christ. But Jesus isn't ashamed to call me brethren. And you probably should be. Or everyone in here. You say, well, I'm not, uh, I'm not worthy. "Hmm, Welcome to the club. There's none of us who are. We're all not worthy. And yet we are his brethren. He's our big brother, as it were. And then he gives some passages in verse 12, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praises to you. This is all quoted from the Old Testament. And you find this all the way through the book of Hebrews. He's writing to Jewish people. He uses the Jewish Old Testament to build his case for what he's saying. He gives them another quote from another place. I will put my trust in him. That is, there's one coming that we would put our trust in. That's Christ. And again, here I am the children of whom God has given me. So God receives us. Verse 14, and as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, so we as the children of our father have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who has power over death that is the devil satan has power over death satan is the god of this world satan blinds the eyes of those who don't believe and jesus by his death on the cross made an open spectacle of him colossians tells us and he defeated death by that death and by his resurrection so that even though we may die we will live and it's part of being able to put up with the suffering here now for Christians. It's part of when we get some kind of a terminal prognosis from the doctor. And we say, I'm going to die. That we can go, but I'm not really going to die. I'm going to be with him. I'm going into the most glorious time that I will ever exist with him in eternity. Doesn't mean that we don't love life. We certainly don't love it more than Christ. Doesn't mean we want to go. It simply means that we know that we will be in His presence. When my late wife learned that she had stage four, we first of all learned she had cancer, then lung cancer, then stage four lung cancer. She passed away 13 months after we got the diagnosis that she had it. And as I watched her go through the process of getting closer and closer to death, becoming more and more immobile, the last two weeks were just it gets accelerated. I saw her becoming more and more focused on eternity. Just was part of what she was, as a Christian, she just became more and more focused on going and being with Christ. She became more and more focused on working with our kids and talking with them about the eternity and wanting to be with them. All she wanted to do was see her friends and see her family and, and focused in on Christ. She, she took to telling friends and family when they would go might be the last time they would see her the last two couple weeks or so she took to saying i'll see you around the corner which was her way of saying i'm not saying goodbye to you i'm gonna see you around the corner i'm gonna turn that corner now one day you'll turn that corner and i'll see you around the corner jesus has has conquered the devil who is over death that death no longer has power over me even though I die. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, you will never die. But even if you do die, you will live. Knowing that there would be death in this flesh, there are some people who won't die, but we will, those of us that do have death in this flesh, we will be in his presence. And it is far greater than anything we face here. The biggest thing that we have is that we're going to miss those who we love. That's the greatest weight that we should have upon us as we come to the end of our lives. Everyone does, some sooner than others. My father passed away at 38, I think I said 36 before, but 38, which I didn't realize how young that was until I was 38, (laughs) right? I just always thought he died an old man. (laughs) It's really funny, because he died when I was 14. I also remember walking by his bedroom And him being silent and just staring up at the ceiling a lot during the last couple months. I think just thinking about his eternity. We grew up in the Methodist church and our church taught that if you believed in God, you were in heaven. You believed he existed, you'd be in heaven. So I've wrestled with whether or not I'll see my father again, which I really want to. My dad was not a good dad. My dad was an abusive guy. But I really do want to see him and my hope is that he made things right with God as he sat and stared up at the, our ceiling in our house. So the reason that he came and died was that he might destroy the power of death. And one day the statement will be true. Oh, death, where is your victory? Right, First Corinthians 15. Oh, death, where is your sting? And so in verse 15 it says, And release those who through fear of death were all of their lifetime subject to bondage. The fear of death. Well, you might have a fear of dying as a, as a Christian, as a believer, but you shouldn't have the fear of death. The, the fear of what's going to happen at the moment after we die and we're putting our trust in Him, it, it ought to bring you a calmness and a peace. But when I die, I go on the record with God. I want it to be quick. My first preference is dying in my sleep. My second one would be GMC, boom, done. (laughs) Jesus, GMC, Jesus. That's, you know, how fast I would like it to be. God doesn't always grant our wishes, right? And God gives us the grace to be able to go through anything that he gives us and anything that we face and anything that we suffer through. But he's taken away the fear of our death. That, hey, my life goes on. This is just a a season. I'm really living in eternity. And we're going to go on to do eternal stuff for in eternity. That's good. And release those who, through fear of death, were all their lives held bondage. People are held bondage because they're just so scared of dying. Again, death, not dying. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels. But he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Remember, he's talking to Hebrews now. He says that when angels fell away, he didn't give aid to them. They fell and they're gone. They don't have grace to be able to come back. But he gives aid to those who were the descendants of Abraham. Us as well, we can fit in here. But he's talking specifically to these Hebrews, these Jews. Going back to Judaism. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. So he's made just like us. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God. You don't need to go to a high priest, a human high priest anymore, and have him give a sacrifice for you. Remember, the temple was still going when this was written. There were still sacrifices being made. That would even be more of a draw. Don't tell me there wouldn't be Christians if the the temple was around today and sacrifices were being made. Don't tell me there wouldn't be Christians who would want to go and make sacrifices. There certainly would be. There'd be people who would be telling you, you're not right because you don't go and give sacrifices. They'd given all that up. And now he says, you have a high priest in Christ who became just like you. He understands everything you go through. He says to make a propitiation for the sins of all people. Propitiation is a fancy word that means one sacrifice that would satisfy. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why he suffered the way that he did. It was the one sacrifice that would satisfy. There's a propitiation for it. That's it. That's what he did. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. The Bible tells us in another place that he was tempted in every way that we are tempted yet without sin, which tells us temptation isn't sin. When you're tempted, the enemy likes to, you know, lay the condemnation on you right there. But you you haven't sinned. Don't do it. Ask him for help. He says that he'll respond when we ask for help. Sometimes as Christians, we don't ask for help because we want to sin. And so we're not saying, Lord, help me. You find out that he's there. He's an ever-ready presence to help us in our time of need. And that includes when we are tempted. So that he suffered, himself suffered, again, the suffering here in the great work that he has done. So that you and I have Christ and we can stay close to him this glorious one who came and became part of us and we are called his brethren. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. That he can aid us in the midst of our temptation. Stand up with me, would you, and let's pray. Father, what a great passage here that's just so full of so many things about whom Christ is and the work that he did for us and the depth of the work. And getting right down to the crux of things when we talk about his suffering and the reference to the glory of his suffering, that he did this so that death would be defeated so that we would not have a fear of death that is paralyzing. Lord, what a great, what a great thing for us to know. And that we surrender ourselves to you as well. Lord, we will ask you always when we are facing difficulties, hardships and sufferings to be delivered from it. But we'll receive it if through the suffering you want to do a work. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. May you find the peace of God in the midst of even difficult and hard times. I'm not saying God doesn't deliver and doesn't set us free, because He does. just doesn't do it all of the time. You know, from my experience, He doesn't do it most of the time. Just be honest, right? He does it sometimes. I would like it more, but He doesn't seem to care. We surrender ourselves to Him.
0: Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you. And his word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus south of Palo Verde and I-10 meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. PCLAZ.org. That's PCLAZ.org, where you can make a secure one time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a recurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life, or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to dig deeper in your walk with God? Then you are a great fit for Reach College with enrollment opportunities. To attend as a student or an auditor, the courses challenge you to analyze your way of thinking as you grow in your walk with Jesus. Find out more at thereachcollege.org. That is thereachcollege.org.